What's up, everybody? UFC 263 this weekend. Who's excited? I am. My boy Nate Diaz is fighting. We got all into that in this upcoming episode, so please listen to the very end. I'm so pumped for this weekend. Plus, it's my little niece and nephew's birthday, so I'm extra pumped. Enjoy the fights, guys. I'll see you guys later. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Punch in the Mouth Official. On Twitter, official underscore PITM. Deuces. What up, everybody? We're going to get into this real quick. I can't wait. I'm so excited for today's episode. We're going to start with, I believe, we're going to go with the review of Rosenstrike and Sakai. Dude, what a fight. What a fight. What a fight that was. Let's see it. Let's see. Rosenstrike wins at the last second, very reminiscent of how he beat Alistar Overeem. The only difference is, in this fight, he won in the first round at the last second, and the other one he won at in the last round at the very last second, excuse me. So we'll see what happens for him. What I want to see for him is, where, where is he at? Let's see where he's at in the rankings. I have to go down. I always get confused with these UFC rankings. Rosenstrike is number six. Volkov and Gain are gonna fight in the summer. The only option I see for him is Curtis. If he wants to go up, the only guy open is Curtis Blades. That because the guys above him are Alexander Volkov, Curtis Blades, Cyril Gan, Derek Lewis, Stipe, and then the champ Francis Ngannou. For Augusto Sakai, you give him all Harris. He came off of a loss ago against Martin Tibura, Marcin Tibura. What other fights happened that weekend that I can't remember besides those two? Where'd it go? Here it is. Santiago Bontenibio, dude, I'm telling you, this guy is going to be a force to be reckoned with. He had medical issues that sidelined him, but this guy, he beat Neil Magny. We've seen how good Neil Magny's looked recently, so that victory's getting better with age. He stopped Neil Magny. So... We gotta keep a lookout for Santiago Pontenibio. I don't. I doubt he's ranked because he was out for so long that 
He's probably out of the rankings. Let me see. Is he top 50? He's number 13. Okay. He just lost to Lee Ji Lang. Bulal Muhammad and Damian Maihu are number 9 and number 13 are fighting this week. Number 9 and number 12. Sorry. I was telling Bulal was number 13, but that's Santiago Pantanibio. Give him the winner of that. If Bula Muhammad, no. If Damian Maya wins, because Damian Maya has been saying that he's going to retire after this fight. If Damian Maya wins, I want to see Santiago Pontenio fight Bula Muhammad. He should fight Bula even if he wins, but because of the history Bula has with Leon Edwards, and if Nate Diaz takes Leon out, Bula might end up fighting Leon Edwards next. Depending on what happens Saturday. So we'll see. But Santiago Montanillo. Keep a lookout for that guy. Poor guy. Had a skin infection. Had staph infection. Had all sorts of infections. They told him you might never fight again. He was so emotional. On Saturday after he won. It was a good fight. It was a good fight. If you didn't see the fight. I highly recommend you go watch it. It was a really good fight. UFC 2. 60, I want to say it's 3, I want. I was going to say 64, but UFC 263, Adesanya versus Vittori 2, Iggy Figgy versus Moreno 2, Leon Edwards versus Nathan Diaz 2, what a fight card bro, what a fight card, okay here we go, the main event, Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori, I don't see Israel losing. Like people saying, oh, well, Bula. I was going to say Bula Muhammad. Yeah, Mbrakovic took him down at will. Yeah, but he did it in the later rounds. You can't tell me one through three were, were Brakovic's for sure. Like those were a toss-up. He won one of those rounds and then he won four and five easy, in my opinion. But you don't think Izzy learned from that? You don't think... That the weight Brakovic had over him played a big part. These guys on Saturday are going to be the same weight. I don't see Vittori being able to just put his weight on him the way Brakovic was able to put on Israel. Adesanya. To put in perspective for you, I believe Israel weighed in at like 203. So... On fight night, he was probably weighing no more than 215. Whereas, Jan Brakovic, he probably he weighed in at the limit. And I guarantee you, he, that dude was walking around at least, at least 220, maybe 230 on fight night. So, these people saying that, oh, Brakovic put the blueprint. No, I don't believe that. He may have, but I don't believe that because of the weight discrepancy. Because Israel was very successful in that fight. You don't think Israel learned from that? You don't think Eugene and them learned from that? Be like, okay, when we're here, we got to do this. He's a student of the game. You don't think he's willing to learn from his mistakes? I don't believe that. I believe he's going to be champion for a long time. I don't see Marvin. There's no disrespect to Marvin, but I don't see him having the tools. 
to do it. Because I don't, I don't see him catching him. Like, I see Israel being too smooth on the feet and just letting him up with the jab, maybe through the first. He might throw the first round away, Israel, like he did against Rob, and maybe clip him towards the end. He may do that. But I don't know. But I'm taking Israel on this one. For Iggy Figgy versus Brandon Moreno. I'm taking Iggy Figgy. Because. If you guys remember. When they fought in December. The original main event was supposed to be. Kamar Usman versus Gilbert Burns. But for whatever reason. Kamar Usman says no I need more time. So they switched it to February of 2021. So then the UFC were left without a main event. Brandon Moreno fought Brandon Royval. And he won pretty early. Without taking damage. And then Davison Figueredo, who I keep referring to as Iggy Figgy. He won against Alex Perez in like the first minute of the fight without taking any damage. So they just turned those two guys right around and made them fight four weeks later. Well, you don't, probably don't know. Is that Davison Figueredo? The cut is very hard on his body. So imagine like his body already feeling it from the f cut in November. And then he probably didn't put on a lot of weight. Going through the whole process again to do it three weeks later. He, like they're saying the week of the fight he ended up in the hospital. That he ate the soup and that he was in the hospital. That he almost pulled out of the fight but he didn't. And look at how that fight went. It was very competitive. If Davison Figueredo doesn't land that low blow, he wins that fight. That draw shows you that Davison won that fight, but they had to have it a draw because of the illegal foul he committed. So, I believe Davison's going to go in there. I believe he's going to knock him out TKO round two. I feel that. Brandon's saying that he doesn't fear his power because he felt it. But these are all factors that we have to think. That I'm pretty sure not a lot of us were thinking. Not even me. I wasn't even thinking it up until the fight got reannounced. I'm like, okay, I think Davidson's going to win because of these re reasons that I just gave you. I feel he'll win the fight. So I got Israel Adesanya. I say... TKO round three. I got Davison Figueredo. TKO round two. Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. My heart breaks. My heart breaks. I want Nate to win. I want him to win really bad. He's saying he might point fight Leon. I don't I just don't see Nate doing that. And Nate, Leon has too many weapons like he has the leg kicks and I feel he's gonna fight a similar fight than what he did with Dos Anjos where he like did the exit elbow and just moved away I feel he's gonna fight that fight he has to fight that fight I don't think he can match Nate's pace because if he tries to match Nate's pace he's gonna gas out by the third round so I feel this is going to be much like how Carlos Condit fought his brother Nick. I feel if it goes to decision, 
Leon Edwards wins. If it goes somehow finish, I feel Nate Diaz won. Because Leon Edwards was talking about he's going to finish Nate by the second or third round. If that's his game plan and it doesn't happen by the third round, he's going to be gassed. And Nate's going to put it on him. So we'll see what happens. What can happen is Nate gets comfortable and loses the first three and getting ready for fourth, the fourth and fifth round and he does damage. He can't let that. He has to win one of the first three rounds. Hopefully round two he'll turn it on him. Because Nate is a slow starter. If you're a Benny man, I'll go Leon Edwards. I want Nate to win. They're saying Leon's going to win. I can see that. But I want Nate to win. I want that to be clear. Damian Maya versus Bulam Muhammad. This is a tricky one, right? Because in the stand-up, I feel Bula's got him on the ground. Damien's got him. But it, the factor becomes, can you get him on the ground? Or is he going to crack you before you could get it there? Much like Gilbert Burns did and finish the fight. With that being said, Damien Maya said, this is my last fight. I'm going to retire after this. I would love to see Damien go out on top. He's one of my favorite fighters. I followed his career since... Honestly, you guys are going to laugh, but the very first fight I remember of Damian Myers when he fought named Marquardt and he got TKO'd in like 20 seconds. But I realized how dangerous that guy was. And I'm like, dude, this guy's good. So I kept following his career after that. Much like the Jorge Masvidal, the, the first Jorge Masvidal fight I saw was when he got backward triangle in Bellator. But after that, I kept following his career. And then I saw him fight Paul Daly. Right after Paul Daly got kicked out of the UFC. So, just because I say the first fight I saw of Damian Maia was a TKO loss, that's not poking fun at him. I'm just saying, that's the first time I saw him fight. Paul Craig versus Jamal Hill. Bro, I'm a fan of this Jamal Hill guy. I want to see this guy succeed. He has all the makings to be a super star. Trust me on that. I'm telling you, the, fir the first combination I saw him throw, he slapped the dude. Like, open palm slapped him. I can't remember the fight. If not, I would tell you. But he open palm slapped the dude. It was hilarious. And then he beats Ovin St. Prue. I'm a fan of this guy. He's got to avoid the ground of Paul Craig. He says he doesn't. Like, there's a lot of bad blood in this fight. So I'm excited for this fight right here. I'm going to talk about two more fights. And... That's it. Then I'll review my picks. Drew Dober versus Brad Riddle. I like Drew Dober. I honestly haven't seen a lot of Brad Riddle. But I like Drew Dober. He showed, even though he lost against Islam, he showed his game. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And then the last one I want to talk about, Lauren Murphy versus Joanne Calderwood. I don't understand how this fight got put this low on the card they should be the main event of the prelims like honestly because the the implications this fight has for the women's flyweight division if lauren murphy wins she's the number one contender if they don't give it to her they're hating bro like they are they need to give it to her if she wins she should have got it after her last win but i understand that jessica took out caitlin in devastating fashion so she got it 
but Jessica just lost to Valentina. So Lauren Murphy, if Lauren Murphy, even if Joanne Calder would win, like the winner of this is the next one. Because the title shot was Joanne Calderwood. She lost to Jennifer Maya. Okay, she came back. She won another one. So if she wins this one, I feel Joanne Calderwood should get it as well. So you should look at this one as a number one contender fight. Because that's what it is. Damn, what a card. So I got Israel Adesanya. Davison Figueiredo. Beer Betty Man, Leon Edwards, but I personally want Nathan Diaz to win. I got Bulan Muhammad. I got Jamal Hill. I got Drew Dober. And then. Because I like this fight so much. I don't I don't really care who wins between Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood. I like both of them. So there are my picks. Oh, where'd my mouse go? I'll post them up later on my social media, so keep a lookout. Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather, or Floyd Mayweather versus Logan Paul, so people don't get mad the way I say things. Um, but what can I say? It was a good fight. I didn't see it. But from what I saw, a lot of people say Logan was clinching. And, like, if Floyd wanted to end the fight, he could have ended it. But he didn't. And then I read that, like, there's this one instance where, like, Floyd clips Logan. And people are saying he knocked him out, but Floyd held him up so they could go the full distance. What in God's name makes you guys believe that, bro? Like, why would they go to the full distance? They already had the money. They already guaranteed an X amount of money. Going the distance would have not made them any more money. Now, the only way that happens is if they got somebody in their camp to bet a boatload of money that it would go the distance. Then maybe, but I don't believe that's the case because Floyd and Logan made bank that day. So much so that I heard the Showtime app was crashing because of how much how many pay-per-view orders they were getting so I don't I have a hard time believing that he held Logan up so Logan could get his bearings back because he, he was out on his feet Floyd has said that he's not gonna box anymore and probably not even do exhibitions anymore as far as Logan goes I don't see him taking the route of his brother Jake cause Jake's trying to become a legitimate boxer I don't see Logan doing that. I just see Logan in it. Like, what's the biggest fight I could get for the biggest amount of money? Which, there's nothing wrong with that. He has a bunch of other business endeavors. I'm a big fan of his podcast, Impulsive. So, <laughs> and then Chad Ochocinco. I forgot who he fought. But he was doing good in the early rounds. But he got clipped towards the end and got knocked down. Of course, it's also an exhibition. So, there was no official winner. But what I don't agree with, he says he's ready for Conor McGregor. Like, Mr. Ochocinco, stay with Bleacher Report. Don't box Conor McGregor. I hope you made enough money with this fight. Stay with Bleacher Report, bro, please. If you don't want it, hit me up. I want it. 
I'll go to Northern California and work for them. I think that's where they're at. Yeah, I think that's where they're at. I'll check it later, but I think that's where they're at. Bellator, Be bro, I cannot wait for this fight. Cannot wait for this next Bellator card. My favorite fighter outside of the UFC is fighting Douglas Lima. Douglas Lima. If you guys didn't understand it when I said it that weird way, Douglas Lima. He's fighting Yaslav Amosov. This guy's 25 and 0. He has the best record and active in all of MMA right now. He's the challenger going in to fight Douglas Lima. This is tomorrow. I cannot wait. I'm excited. Can't wait. I think Douglas is going to win. I think the leg kicks are going to be the factor that Amosov isn't ready for, bro. This is Lima. Lima still has admirations to go and fight for the 185 belt. He already fought Gegard. He lost, but it was a competitive fight. So we're going to see what happens there. I think Douglas retains the belt. In the co-main event, you got Paul Daly versus Jason Jackson. I have no idea why it's at 175. Is it that Paul Daly can't make 170 anymore? Like, what's the point? Like, Jason Jackson's, like, ranked number four in welterweight. And you guys are fighting at catchweight? So what if Paul Daly wins? Like, what does that do for him? What does it do for Jason Jackson if he wins? I don't think it does anything for either of them. Woo! And then Aaron Pico versus Aiden Lee. I never heard of this Aiden Lee guy, but I know who Aaron Pico is. I'm excited. I want to see this fight. My cousin, he sent me a video of Aaron Pico's last fight. And he, after he knocked the guy out, he yells, World Star Mother Effer. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I saw that fight, but I didn't catch that. Aaron Pico's a cool cat, bro. Um, ooh, Nick Newell. If you guys don't know who Nick Newell is, he's the one-arm MMA fighter. He's going to fight Bobby King. I like Nick Newell. I'm going to be watching that. But yeah, man, these Bellator cards, they're absolutely good. I'll tell you that much. If you guys are an absolute homer for one organization, you're not going to notice any of these fighters I just said. They're all very good. But... People like to watch what they watch, bro. I can't. I can only try to persuade you to watch these other guys, but if I can't, I can't. I would want everybody to so they could stop saying UFC's the shit. They kind of are, bro, but there are other fighters that are very good as well. Like I want to see Diego. I was going to say his brother Diego, who is in the UFC, I think. I want to see Douglas go to the UFC. I want to see the Pitbull brothers go to the UFC. More specifically, Patricio. So I got Douglas Lima. I'm going to go with Jason Jackson and Aaron Pico and Nick Noom for tomorrow. We're going to get into the Paulo Costa rant. UFC chief Dana White has emphatically shut down Paulo Costa after the Brazilian urge the sport to pay him more money for being 
a main event fighter. The UFC middleweight contender recently took to Twitter to voice his displeasure about the current pay situation before moaning about how much YouTubers are earning for their exhibition fights. Costa refused to fight Jared Cannonier in August as he believed the promotion weren't paying him enough to compete, which led to his rant on Twitter. So, Paulo, I guess, saw the numbers of what Logan Paul was going to make against Floyd Mayweather. And he wasn't with it, bro. He wasn't with it. These are Paulo's tweets. Less than 350K is a joke. UFC needs to pay me as a main event fighter to have fighting in main events. YouTubers are showing all disgrace on this business. Just to be clear, I never signed or locked up that contract. Why UFC announced this fight if I didn't sign my question too? Those were all Pablo's tweets. First of all, he's mad because he's realizing how much Logan Paul made against Floyd Mayweather and how much Jake Paul's probably going to make against Tyrone Woodley in August. What I don't understand is, like, these guys signed these contracts, right? What I don't get is, so, like, if I sign a three-fight deal, am I wrong in thinking that it says I'm guaranteed... For example, 500k after this three-fight deal. After this three-fight deal, that's my fault for signing that contract, right? Like that's my fault. Like if I wasn't happy with it, I wouldn't have signed it in the first place. He's under contract. White told TSN, "I'm supposed to let people out of their contract just because they're mad that YouTube kid is fighting and making money. You should be happy for the kid." Good for him. He put himself in that position to where he was able to fight Floyd Mayweather and make a bunch of money. You're mad? Again, I guess they're seeing that um, these YouTube guys are making way more than they are. And then Dana White goes, you just came off a ridiculous, horrible performance. Come back and put yourself in a position to do something big. You know what I say all the time? We have fights every weekend. The UFC president continued as he slammed Costa's rant. If you want to stay busy, you can fight every weekend if you want to. Get out of your contract and go do whatever you want to do. So Dana White is basically telling Paulo, fight the rest of your contract out and then you can go and do whatever pleases you. Which I believe is the right answer. So, if I was in Paulo's position, I don't know how many fights he has left, but for example, let's say three. If he has three fights left, Jared would have been one, and then two more after that. He should have fought Jared. Hopefully, he doesn't get too injured. Fought again, and fought again. He could have been out of his contract by the end of the year. Made whatever the UFC was going to give him. And then try and go fight somewhere else the problem is that these youtube people they have such a massive following they're more famous than ufc fighters 
like Logan Paul is probably more famous than 90% of the UFC roster. So is Jake Paul. The ones I can probably tell you that are probably as famous as him is Conor McGregor. Maybe Jorge. Maybe Nate. I don't even think John Jones is that famous. If John Jones is that famous, he's famous for all the wrong reasons, for all the legal troubles he's been. But for sure, Conor McGregor. I don't even think Khabib's that famous. At least not in the U.S. So, Paulo, fight out your contract, bro. Don't get on Twitter and give rants because it's not going to get you anywhere. If you guys hear stuff in the background, it's because they're in school in my house. But I had to do this right now because then I don't have time to do it later. So, for that, I do apologize. Carlos Condit has a fight on the... Poirier versus McGregor three card July 10th. He's going to fight Max Griffin. That's a hard fight for my boy Carlos. I want him to win. I want him to win, but we're going to see what happens. I don't understand why they haven't tried to book him versus Nick Diaz. Like, honestly, I don't get it. But if Carlos wins, I hope they give him Nick Diaz because he'll be, if my mind serves me right, if he beats Max Griffin, he'll be on a three-fight winning streak. So good luck, Carlos. I'm rooting for you, brother. Because I want to see you and Nick get in there. We're going to get into Nick Diaz a little later. Woodley. Why Woodley is an underdog in this Jake Paul fight? I'm going to tell you why. Because he's lost his last one, two, three, his last four fights. Were they all against absolute killers? Absolutely. To name those killers, they were Kamar Usman, Gilbert Burns, Colby Covington, and Vicente Luque. Absolute killers. Why is he an underdog against Jake Paul? Because this is pro boxing debut. Jake Paul, if he's proven anything, is he can box. His competition isn't very high, but at least he, he's shown that he can box. Now, is Woodley's chin suspect? I would say no, but people might disagree because I know Vicente dropped him. Because if you look at all his losses, he got controlled. Kobe controlled him. Usman controlled him. Gilbert, like he never rocked him. Like he was he was piecing him up on the feet, but he never rocked him. Other than Vicente Luque, who hits like a truck. None of those other three guys really had Tyron in danger with the hands. And I feel, I feel the Tyron that's going to show up in this fight against Jake Paul is the Tyron Woodley that beat Darren Till. That is the scariest Tyron Woodley on earth. Just the way he's been acting. August 28th is going to be very interesting.
But th that's why Tyron is the underdog because he's lost his last four. And he got dropped in his last fight. He didn't get finished with the hands, but he got dropped. Dustin Poirier footage so originally so I've seen it with three interviewers so far Colby Covington I forget his name but his name is Mike he works for MMA Junkie Mike Boham I think is his name or something like that he works for MMA Junkie and he, he Colby Covington he goes um I don't know why people keep calling Dustin Poirier a nice guy and then he shows him a video of Dustin training w with a an amateur allegedly. He goes, look at Dustin training with his amateur when he was getting ready for the Khabib fight. Let me back up. For those that don't know, Kobe used to train at ATT and then he got kicked out. Him and Jorge got kicked out. Um, Dan Lambert wanted them both back. Jorge came back. Colby Covington said, not nah, peace. So, Dustin Poirier also trains there. So, as he was getting ready for Khabib, he was training with allegedly uh, an amateur. And they were training with no headgear. And I guess he knocks him out because Colby doesn't show the video. I've tried to reach out to Colby to see if he'll let me see the video. But he, he hasn't responded to me. And you can hear where Dustin goes and new and raising his hand. So he showed it to that guy Mike. He showed it to the schmo. And then he showed it to Helen, Helen E. So there's three individuals that have seen it. Now, my question is, does this make Dustin a bad person? Absolutely not. Because he's probably in the mindset that I'm about to go fight a world champion. I have to be on, on my best game. And like he has to put himself in that primal instinct. Mindset like it's kill or be killed. So I don't feel as people should turn on Dustin. <laughs> Honestly when I heard that I'm like dude. That's freaking dope because I understand that mindset. I've seen that mindset in other people when they're doing a sport that they absolutely love, that they want to be the absolute best. There's nothing wrong with that. So that just shows you the passion Dustin has for this sport and the fight game. And he's not a bad person. I don't know if Colby did that to like get people to turn on Dustin. If you're a Dustin Poirier fan, you should stay a Dustin Poirier fan. I'm a Colby Covington fan. People, I get smack talk all the time because I like Colby, but he's a good fighter. He does weird antics like what he did here, but he's a good fighter. I'm always going to be a Colby Covington fan. I'll always be a Conor McGregor fan. I'm for sure always going to be a Nick and ADS fan. So, Dustin, good on you, brother. Would I have done that? No, but... That doesn't make him a bad person. Anthony Pettis. So Anthony Pettis was supposed to fight in PFL's return this week. But he got sick. And he's going to fight at the end of the month. I believe on June 21st. What a loss can mean for him. 
I honestly feel if if Anthony Pettis loses, I honestly feel he should retire. Like, what else is he going to do? Like, he's proven everything. He already became UFC champion. He defended it multiple times. Like, you, we see shades of him here and there. Like, I don't understand why it's not constant for him. But we see shades of the old Anthony Pettis here and there. He's not old. I don't understand. I don't know if it's that he doesn't take his training serious. I don't know if he has medical issues like this, that he got sick. But honestly, if he loses, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him retire. Because he's got nothing left to prove. Um, his brother Sergio just won the Bellator belt. I believe that they should focus on him. Because Anthony already took over, took the UFC belt. Serge takes the Bellator belt. They, they have two belts of the biggest organizations there. The only ones left are, would probably be PFL. And one. But honestly, I hope Anthony wins. Because I'm a big fan. Big fan of Anthony Pettis. I was a big fan of his. When I would see him fighting the WEC and then I saw him do the Matrix kick, made me an even bigger fan. He even came out on um, an MTV show because I guess he was kind of in a slump. He even came out on an MTV show. I can't remember what it's called. And he won that fight. So, Anthony, good luck, bro. I'll be rooting for you on June. I want to say it's either 21st or 24th. I feel a loss for him would signal the end of his career. Usman versus Covington 2. Dana has flat out come out and said that that's the next fight. They're just waiting to make the announcement. And I guarantee you it's going to happen in November at MSG. Especially since everything is opening up. November, MSG, where it was originally supposed to happen. These guys are already talking loads of smack, especially Colby. He calls him Marty Fake Newsman, the CEO of EPO. If you guys don't know what that is, EPO is what TJ Dillashaw got caught with and got suspended for two years. So he's alleging that Kamar Usman is using that. I'm not. I call him Senor Usman because he's on his way of becoming the greatest welterweight of all time. He really is. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but he really is on his way to becoming the greatest welterweight of all time. I cannot wait for this fight to be announced. If it happens in New York, I'm probably going to try to go to New York if I have enough money to go. Because I really want to see this fight. Like The first fight was super dirty, super competitive. I want to see. I want to see if Colby's going to be able to deal with Kamar Usman's knockout power. I want to see if Colby tries to take him down. I want to see if Kamar can stop the takedown because that's another big point that Colby's been saying. He was a D2 wrestler. I was a D1 wrestler. So that says everything you need to know about Marty's wrestling. This is Colby saying this, not me. So Colby feels his wrestling is better. He didn't employ that in the first fight, but I want to see... He employs it in the second fight.
Can't wait for this fight. Nick Diaz news. Nick Diaz news. Bro, I feel like I talk about Nick Diaz all the time. I message his manager all the time. He sees my messages. He just doesn't reply. Kevin, you're a real one, bro, because a lot other people would have been like, bro, leave me alone already and probably blocked me, but Kevin hasn't done that. Dana says Nick Diaz is coming back this year in 2021. The question is, who will Nick fight? The answer is very simple. He has two losses right now. He's on a two-fight losing streak. You give him Jorge Masvidal. Is it that you want to see what happens between Leon and Nate? That if Nate loses, you give him Jorge Masvidal? No, you give Nick Jorge Masvidal. Because Nick's on a three-fight losing streak. Because he lost to Carlos. He lost to George. And then he lost to Anderson. But look at the time that he fought those three people. Other than Anderson, those other two people were at the top of the sport. And other than the George fight, the Anderson and Carlos fight were very competitive. So you give him Jorge Masvidal for the BMF belt. That's a big fight. They're both coming off loss. They're on losing streaks. And you can still sell out T-Mobile Arena with them as the main event five rounds. You can. Nick Diaz is the biggest of a star as his brother is. Let's get into some current events. Heavyweight matchup change ahead of PFL 6 with Fabricio Verdum, Mohamed Usman out. New heavyweight matchups have been announced for the upcoming PFL 6 card on June 25th. That's when Anthony Pettis is going to fight. June 25th. I kept saying the 21st. After both Fabricio Verdum and Mohamed Usman were forced out of their respective fights. MMA Fighting previously reported that Verdum would be unable to compete after he was not medically cleared to compete again as soon as he was knocked out in his fights against Hannon Ferreira. Fijeira. While the result of the fight was eventually overturned to a no contest when replay show Fijeira had tapped out from a triangle choke. Verdum still took damage afterwards that will now keep him out of action for an extended period of time. Okay. So, yeah. So, he, I guess he was already... Because that's weird, right? Because, like, it's a season, so their debts are set. But I guess they, they're hoping that they take either... Very minimal damage and not a lot, but this Fabricio Verdum situation... Not the case. He got his belt wrong a couple times. Verdun was originally expected to compete on June 25th, but PFL announced on Tuesday that he was not medically cleared to compete. Meanwhile, Usman was knocked off the card with an undisclosed injury that would prevent him from competing. E. Usman was originally scheduled to clash with Dennis Goldstoff. But now Goldstoff will instead take on Brandon Sales. Sales was successful in his opening round fight after he submitted Usman in the second round at PFL 3 in early May. The upcoming PFL 6 event will ultimately determine the fighters moving on to the playoffs later in the year 
which means Verdum and Usman will almost certainly see their seasons come to an end. The PFL playoffs are based off of points accumulated during the regular season fights, but Verdum was only awarded one point for his no contest and Usman had zero points after failing in his debut fight. Falling, not failing, falling. Falling in his in his debut fight. The card is gonna be Kayla Harrison versus Cindy Dandoez, Ali Isbell versus Hennen Burrell, Dennis Goldsolf versus Brandon Sales. Dang, these names are confusing. Bruno Campeloza versus Mohamed Deris. Yeah. I know I butchered a bunch of those names. It's cool. Let's see what else is out there, bro. So yeah, Verdum's out. Kamar Usman's brother's out. Let's see this one. We're sticking with the PFL right now. Clarissa Shields confident she could already beat lightweights currently competing in the PFL season. Don't let Kayla Harrison hear her say that. Clarissa Shields isn't naive when it comes to the learning curve. Now that she's making the move from boxing to mixed martial arts. Despite... Becoming a two-time Olympic gold medalist and a multi-division world champion, the 26-year-old Michigan native fully understood that she was starting at the bottom again when she decided to sign with the PFL. In order to get ready for her debut, Shields called upon some of the top coaches in the sport when she began working with Greg Jackson and Mike Winklejohn in New Mexico, and that team selection also came along with training partners such as former UFC champions John Jones. Learning everything required for MMA has been tough, but Shields didn't start this journey because she thought it was going to be easy. I'm a boxer, Shields explained when speaking to MMA fighting ahead of her PFL4 debut. I've been boxing since I was 11 years old. I'm 26, so 15 years. It's definitely out of my comfort zone, but I have such a great team and great coaches. For them to help me get comfortable with being uncomfortable. When I first came to camp, I was having huge anxiety just about could I do the MMA training? Could I stay calm? If I got taken down, could I even stay calm against the cage? Could I learn how to get up after being taken down? Or just keeping my head. I learned I can do all that and more. I'm happy that we just jumped into all the things that I wasn't good at or I didn't know. They just started teaching me and I'm really, and I'm a really great learner. That's something I knew would play in my favor. Shield has been an athlete for almost her entire life. She admits that she aches and pains that came along with MMA training definitely pushed her body to the limits. It's been 
all for a purpose as she seeks to define herself as the greatest woman combat athlete in history, which is why she pushed herself through those days that she didn't want to go through. Another wrestling drill or grapple, another teammate in jiu-jitsu practice. Her first love will always be boxing, but Shields has learned to embrace her newfound skills in MMA because it's all going to help her achieve those goals in her career. Um, and then she goes, I have a passionate for fighting, so I'm able to box. A huge asset during her transition has been working alongside one-time UFC Bantamweight champion Holly Holm, who has also held multiple titles in boxing before making her move to MMA several years back. Holmes obviously underwent the same kind of difficulties and she adapted her style to become a complete fighter. Rather than just a boxer, she has definitely served as a shining example to Shields as she does the same. Me and Holly are actually friends. We've sparred a few rounds the last few weeks. After every sparring session, we talk about what I did good and what I messed up at, Shields said. Just ways to move forward in the next sparring sessions. But she is very informal, just really great at her job in MMA sparring. We don't go 100%, but people like to see us spar. I can say that. Katrina, she's just about to make her debut on Thursday night. Shields isn't trying to live up to any unrealistic expectations. But she is also confident. She knows enough to know her true potential. A good example was a recent trip to watch the first PFL card of the season. Shield watched the opening round fights for the women competing in the lightweight division. Right away, Shield recognized that she wasn't ready to face someone like Kayla Harrison, who is widely recognized as one of the best women fighters on the planet as she seeks her second straight PFL title this year. That said, Shields also saw enough flaws in some potential competition that she knows she was ready to defeat them right now if those were the opponents PFL hand handed her. I felt like out of the eight girls who I seen fight in the league, I felt like watching I can beat at least five of them now, Shields said. Okay, then that title is misleading because let's read the title again. Clarissa Shields confident she could already beat lightweights currently competing in the PFL season. She, they should have put certain lightweights because now at the bottom they're contradicting themselves. Because if I were just to read that, I would think she's talking about Kayla Harrison. She's clearly not talking about Kayla Harrison. She's saying she could probably beat some of them. She also said that. It was great for me to see, but we know also, too, why I'm not in the tournament this year. Because we, we've got those two girls, Kayla Harrison and Lacira Pachillo, who are monsters. I really need to learn more when I do get the chance to get inside the cage with them. That I don't go in there and be like a flop situation. I respect those girls, definitely. I'm looking at everybody as an opponent at 155, I have to. That's my job. I'm really focused on Brittany Elkin on June 10th. But I know that as I continue to grow in MMA, me and my team have big decisions to make in the next year. 
The big decision is whether or not Shields will enter the PFL season in 2022 or wait until 2023 to seek out that tournament title. For now, Shields is anxious to get started with her first MMA fight so she can finally add that inaugural win to her record. Right now, the only thing I'm focused on is just the win. Shields said, people are going to see that I'm definitely no more than boxing when I get inside the cage. You're definitely going to be there and be able to see that. Dang. So, my problem with this title is it's a little misleading. Because the title is making the assumption that she's saying she could beat everybody, including Kayla Harrison. Because Kayla Harrison is also in the tournament. Ooh, let's see this one. Coach Brandon Gibson, I think we have yet to see the most dangerous John Jones there is. Really? Let's see, let's see, let's see. Longtime Jackson Wink striking coach Brandon Gibson has seen John Jones move to heavyweight firsthand and is expecting an even more dangerous fighter when he steps back into the octagon. Jones vacated his light heavyweight title this past year in lieu of a new challenge to capture the UFC heavyweight title. While he has yet to make his debut at the new weight class or receive the fight he seeks with current UFC champion Francis Ngannou, Gibson says that Bones has not only set a tone for himself, but he has also lit a fire under the entire team and coaching staff. John Jones has been the most dominant champion in UFC history, Gibson told MMA Fighting. He has all the records for titles but man the goals of becoming heavyweight champion has sparked a fire in all of us whether it comes in a few months or it comes in a year plus john 33 i feel like he's not even in his heavyweight prime yet we're taking our time we're doing the right we're doing this right and there are a lot of other business decisions outside of my realm but my job is to treat john jones as a professional athlete a professional martial artist and a great champion that he is 24-7. In most recent appearances, John successfully defended his 205-pound title via unanimous decision against Dominic Reyes at UFC 247 in February 2020. Gibson, who is currently preparing Aaron Pico for his upcoming Bellator 260, Matchup with Aiden Lee believes that Jones has found that next level in his career, similar to some of the greatest athletes to compete in the sports world. That's the biggest area I've seen him increase. Jones' approach to becoming a 365 athlete, Gibson said. You, you're inspired by guys like Kobe Bryant and LeBron James who continue to have great success in their mind in their late 30s and what it took to have that to grow as a professional athlete john jones has had that in him man he's had a success in his 20s a great run at light heavyweight but john not only has that focus of being a heavyweight champion with a huge task in front of him in front of us but also his commitment to himself as a professional athlete i think we have yet to see the most dangerous john jones in there the most dangerous John Jones there is. This version is going to be greater than any of them. 
After nearly a decade of dominance in the octagon from his people, Gibson was completely on board for Jones making the ascension to the heavyweight division. With time on their side to patiently await Jones' first heavyweight opportunity, Gibson believed when it ultimately does happen, it will click the pivotal refreshment button on the division. You don't see a lot of successful heavyweights in their 20s, Gibson explained. A lot of the great heavyweight champs have been late 30s. We've had heavyweight champs in their 40s. Heavyweight is a bit of a different game than any other weight class in MMA. I think John, with his strength, with his size, his skill sets, and his repertoire that he brings to the heavyweight division is really going to shake things up. We're not looking to take the heavyweight belt. We're looking to defend and defend and defend, just like we did with the light heavyweight belt. Damn, that guy seems fired up. I'm fired up from reading that. We're going to do one more, and I'm going to let you guys out of here. Oh, yeah. Jessica Andrade is going to fight Cynthia Calvillo in September at UFC 266. Okay, we're going to do this one. Joe Rogan calls Tyron Willie the most dangerous opponent of Jake Paul's career, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he wins. Over the last year, Jake Paul has dominated the combat sports conversation with his particular brand of celebrity boxing spectacle. However, now it is possible that Paul has been off more than he can chew, as this summer he will face the most dangerous fighter of his pugilistic career. When he fights former UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley in August. But though many believe that this will finally be the bout that shuts the brash YouTuber up, UFC commentator Joe Rogan isn't as sure. Speaking on his Joe Rogan Experience podcast, recently Rogan discussed Jake and his brother Logan Paul's move into boxing lauding Jake for showing real boxing ability. They got famous first and then it turns out they can fight, Rogan said. Especially Jake, the kid can knock people the F out. He knows how to punch. He's only got a couple of fights. Here's how you have to look at him. Look at him like any other guy who's only got a couple fights. If you saw a guy who was coming up, he didn't have an amateur career and he's only got a couple of fights you go man he's got some promise the nature of Paul's entrance into boxing and his outspoken persona have resulted in a lot of criticism leveled at Paul however the former Disney Channel star has also undeniably shown some knack for the sport securing three knockouts in in his first three fights including his most recently first round drubbing a former Bellator and one championship welterweight champion Ben Askren. In fact, Paul's win over Askren that set up the upcoming bout with Woodley and served as a launching pad for Paul to take on legitimate combat sports veterans instead of fighting just other celebrities. However, there's a wide gulf between Ben Askren and Woodley when it comes to punching ability, something Rogan is very aware of. He's going to fight Tyron Willie, Rogan said. I know he can punch. He punches really hard, but he doesn't punch like a boxer. 
He throws big bombs and sets up takedowns, but he can crack, though, with one shot. He can F anybody up. But that's the thing is, the way he throws shots, he'll throw like a bomb and then set up a takedown or clinch up. He's not a guy that's going out there peekaboo style, throwing jabs and hooks to the body. That's not his style. He's never been a guy who has boxed. He's been a guy who uses boxing and MMA, but he uses everything. We won't know until they get in there. But the thing about it, is he'll be the most dangerous guy Jake Paul has ever fought for sure. Not even close. No one more dangerous than Tyron Willie. Tyron's not just an MMA fighter. He's a UFC world champion. One of the best welterweights of all time. If you look at UFC welterweights of all time. Top three. He's effing phenomenal. Willie will certainly be Paul's most difficult opponent thus far. However. As with Askren, there is a sense that Paul is choosing his opponents wisely. Though Willie is an accomplished fighter and has true one-punch KO power, he is also 39 years old and has not looked good recently losing his last four fights in a row without winning a single round. That being said, there is a big difference between losing to the best MMA fighters on the planet and losing to a guy who only took up boxing in the past few years. Still, Rogan is unwilling to say that Willie will definitely win this fight. He punches really effing hard. And when he doesn't have to worry about wrestling, doesn't have to worry about getting tired, and he can pick his shots, he'll be the most dangerous guy Jake Paul has ever fought. For sure, Rogan said. But doesn't necessarily mean he'll win. I think... Jake Paul can effing box. If you look at the Nate Robinson fight, I know Nate didn't know what he was doing. But the way he landed those punches, he cracked him and knocked him out. Moving backwards. He can move backwards and plant. He doesn't have to wind up his movement. His brother has wind up shots. His brother was throwing windmilly type arm punches. Jake throws straight and hard. They're much more dangerous. Paul and Woodley. Or set to fight August 28th in Miami, Florida. The belt will be on Showtime pay-per-view. Like, that's the thing. Is the Tyron that shows up the dude that falls flat? Or is it going to be the dude that boxes him up? The way he's talking, it sounds like he's going to box him up. So we'll see. I'll do one more. This isn't a story, but... Apparently that, um, wait, 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 where'd it go? So, apparently, Brian Ortega versus Volkanovski is targeted for UFC 266 in September. We'll see, we'll see what happens there. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for that. But, with that being said, guys, deuces, enjoy the fights. Stay safe. Wear your mask. Go get vaccinated. If you don't want to get vaccinated, please be safe around people you haven't been around. Deuces.